Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by eventindustrynews.co.uk. Um, joining the podcast today is Alan Smithson from Metaverse. Alan is the CEO and co-founder from Metaverse. Um, based over in Toronto in Canada, Alan now joins us on the line. Alan, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. This is fantastic. You're very welcome. You're very welcome along. Um, and it's it's as if you were in the studio with us today, despite the fact that you are thousands of miles away on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, which I think is very, very pertinent to the subject of today's episode. Um, before we get into the sort of the real details of what it is that you guys can do and how we can all become that little bit more connected in this big wide world that we live in, Alan, tell us a little bit about Metaverse, who you are, what it is that you do. Certainly. So um, my, my name is Alan Smithson, and uh, I've been a tech junkie for a long, long time. Uh, I started out as a DJ back in, uh, in university and DJed mostly corporate events and weddings for, for about 18 years. And a couple of years ago, six years ago, I saw um, a big see-through touchscreen DJ controller, and I was like, man, I want to have that. Realized that it didn't exist, and so I found the guy who created the, the software, and we ended up making a company together, and we created the emulator DJ system, which uh, you know people in the UK may have seen at uh, Australasia and Manchester and a couple of other people or a couple of other nightclubs. Um, did that for the last five years, uh, five and a half years, and then last year, three years ago, I was invited to Eric Schmidt from Google's um, Curiosity Camp, and it was at that Curiosity Camp where I got to try virtual reality for the first time. And this guy put his headset on my face and said, okay, ready? And I was at a Beck concert and I was way up in the crowd and I'm looking down at Beck and it was like, okay, this is cool. And then he said, look around. And I, it was that moment where, and I don't know you know, how many listeners have tried VR, but there's a moment when you, you're looking forward and you're kind of like, okay, this is cool. And then they tell you to turn around and you realize that everything is around you and you look up, down, left, right. And it's just... It's this aha moment of life that you're like, oh my God, this is something totally different and immersive and wow. And then he hit a button and instead of being up in the crowd, I was standing on stage with Beck. And that was the moment right then and there. I was like, I'm in. I don't care what I have to do. I am doing this. <laughs> so that was three years ago. And yeah, I, I basically spent two years trying to sell my company, uh, sold my company uh, last year. And jumped into VR uh, a year ago and kind of just trying to learn the lay of the land and uh, and then met my partner at the beginning of this year and we started Metaverse two months ago and Metaverse is a full service virtual reality agency and when I say agency, we, we kind of span, we realized that in virtual reality, um, we're really, really early days and what needed to happen was we needed to be able to show people uh, a virtual reality in a, in a, in a way that wasn't... Um, wasn't salesy and wasn't really kind of you know ramming it down people's throats and the best way to do that is through showing people virtual reality at events because it's fun people are having a good time it's you know have a few drinks and it's here try this virtual reality and then my my favorite part of my job right now is seeing people have that aha moment and you know i've been lucky enough to do over a thousand demos personally so far in the last year and every time you know somebody's standing there looking and, and i usually leave people for about a minute and they usually don't move. The head just stays still. And then you, you take them and you swivel them. You, you take their shoulders and you turn them backwards. And they're just like, oh, oh, my God, I can see behind me. And it's it's all around me. And I think, you know, virtual reality has a, an, a, an amazing opportunity to, to really push 
the limits of technology, but not only that, but humanity. Um, I think, you know, we, there's been some studies showing that virtual reality really um, drives home experiences because if you experience something, you remember it as if it's a real uh, memory instead of just studying it or looking at it in a book or, you know, being on a Skype where it's a 2D screen. When you're in VR, you actually feel like you've experienced that. And some of the things I've done in VR, I've climbed Mount Everest, I've swim with sharks, I've uh, been in a NASCAR um, you know, these are experiences that I know I'm never going to do. I, I, well, I, and I say never going to do, I'm probably actually going to go swimming with sharks where we've been hired to film sharks in 360. So <laughs> I might be doing that. But, um, but having said that most people in the world are never going to climb Everest. I mean, but the fact that I got to go there and experience it in vivid detail and really, I mean, aside from the frostbite and, you know, life threatening cold, um, it was as real as it as I, as I wanted it to Absolutely. be. <laughs> Even better, really be, wanna... better so maybe because you don't have to suffer the frostbite and the, yeah. and, the and the bitter cold. Ex- exactly, you know. And so you know, we we started this company and we said, listen, we're our mission is to show the world the future and really drive this home. And events uh, are kind of the first phase of our of our business. And what we what we've been doing is bringing virtual reality in all different shapes and sizes. So we've got the Gear VR, which is Samsung's offering, which is a yep. standalone headset where you stick your phone in it. And it works with a Galaxy S6 or S7 phone, or I believe the Note 5 as well. Uh, and you can just stick your phone in it. And all of a sudden, you've got uh, you know a low cost virtual reality. Now, lower down from that, you've got Google Cardboard where you can stick any phone in. But the, the challenge with that is the phones were not designed sure, yeah. to, to have that capability. So they, there is a bit of motion sickness thing that goes on, and it's just they, they just weren't ready for that. Um, having said that, Google just announced uh, their Daydream platform at Google I.O. a couple weeks ago. And um, their Daydream platform is across all Android devices, and we'll start rolling out in uh, 2017 where all phones are VR ready. So that's a big thing. So, the hard- so this is coming. The hardware is... is, is- is slowly, well, I say slowly, catching up. Inevitably, with with something like virtual reality, that there is a, a period of time where everybody has got to get to the same page, isn't there? So, you know, the the, the headsets, the phone companies, um, the people who are developing the software or, or, or the actual content that that, that will be applicable. Uh, and be virtual reality compatible. Everything's got to catch up with each other and really reach a point where everybody's then at the same level, haven't they? And we're not quite there yet. So, yeah, we're not there yet. Uh, I would say even a year ago, I was like, I was really gung ho. I was like, this is going to take off. This is going to be amazing. And everybody I showed was loving, you know, everybody, I mean, you can't put this on somebody's head. I've never had somebody say, oh, that sucks. I don't like that. It, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, if you think of technologies across all aspects of events in life there's there's a few technologies that are like yeah you know google glass was okay 3d printers are cool but you know when you see people's expressions in their face for first time in vr there's not one person that goes oh wow this is you know it's it's underwhelming it's really mind-blowing and i've never seen a medium in history like this and you know this is going to spread into AR and VR and it's going to just blend and become this mixed reality thing. But you're absolutely right. Things need to standardize and put in perspective. Uh, a year ago, we were doing demos for people and the news was coming out maybe, I don't know, once every two or three days, maybe once a week, there was something new coming along. Mm-hmm. Now it's once an hour. There's something new every hour and I, I, we can't even keep up with it anymore. The other thing is the content 
up until now, everybody's been trying to make content just to prove that they can make content. It's been, okay, how do we actually do this? How do we use the cameras? How do we make CG VR? How do we make, not make people sick? How do we, how, 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 how? And now I think we're at an inflection point where content creators now understand and there's, a, there's enough tools available. Because, I mean, six months ago, uh, 360, a simple 360 video would have cost, I don't know, between twenty-five and fifty thousand dollars for a very basic two D three hundred and sixty video. Yeah. Um, the stitching was a, a mess. The cameras were a disaster. Everything sucked. And I mean, the end result was beautiful, but I mean, you had to spend you know hours and hours of time. It was it was about ten hours for every minute of footage just wow. to stitch it. And now you've got cameras like the Samsung Gear three hundred and sixty and uh, Nikon Key Mission three hundred and sixty and. Kodak's coming out with their, their SP360 4K. These cameras are VR ready. I mean, you literally film it, stitch it on a computer on a, on a software that it came with it. I can even stitch it on my phone now with the Samsung <laughs> and post it directly to Facebook. So we've come a long, long way in one year, which is really amazing. And I think the tools are going to trickle down into the consumer and the prosumer level. And I think that's where things get really interesting when you get the world being able to create this instead of just, you know, a select few of people who have fought through the, the technology. Absolutely. And, and certainly in the world of events, um, we, we've spoken recently on, on the podcast in, in several episodes about augmented reality and virtual reality and how it is slowly but surely making its mark on the event industry. Certainly over here, more and more events are, are seeing the values of it. And I suppose in some respects that there is a tie-in, uh, and I'd be interested to see what you think about this, Alan. It, it, there's a tie-in with live streaming. Live streaming is something that we've, we, again, spoken about on the podcast a number of times, and that, that's seen real, uh, a big uptake of event organisers in the UK and in Europe looking at live streaming as a really, really viable way to improve the engagement levels with their particular event. Um, and I think that they're now seeing something like virtual reality as a, almost like a second phase of live streaming. However, they're also getting their heads around the fact that virtual reality doesn't just have to be delivered in a live event concept. They can also create content relating to their events that can be used and deployed within virtual reality contexts. So I'm interested to see where you, where you see the sort of join up between things like live streaming and how virtual reality is a step on from some of the technologies events have been using for the last two, three, four years. Yeah, I think uh, you know live streaming is is really hasn't caught on as much as we thought it would. Um, I think especially in, in live events, it's it's still an expensive technology, and then when you compound it with 360, uh, you know, or live streaming kind of into VR, um, I think it actually makes it way more complicated for one and way more expensive to push out. Mm -hmm. So I think we're we're going to see it come on board, and especially I was just reading an article yesterday about uh, 5G technology is coming on board in the U.S. next year. And 5G will be 100 times faster than the 4G phones we have now. Wow. So I think that's what needs to happen to push this bandwidth through to a comfortable uh, frame rate and make sure that happens. But, you know, you look at events, events by the very nature are live. And events by the very nature are limited in the fact that they can only have a certain number of attendees. And they're limited by, you know, geographic. You know, some people just can't get on a plane and fly over to the UK and say, hey, I want to I be at this event. I think you know we're in a very very connected world, and, and by providing people access 
live, they really, it's a totally different thing. Facebook live uh, launched earlier this year and, you know, it's been crazy, crazy how successful that is. And I think, you know, you look at something like, like Vine or, um, the predecessor, you know, Snapchat and all these things, and they're great for, you know, for, you know, telling people what's going on in the moment. And I think the, the generation below us or my kids anyway, they're growing up in a world where things are right now. And if it's not right now, why is it relevant? And I mean, we, we grew up with Facebook. We, you know, well, we grow up with it, but we've had Facebook for the last, you know, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. We've had Instagram. We've had other things where you send a message, even messenger, you send a message and it sits there and it's, you know, somebody can check it on their own leisure. Yeah. Snapchat disappears the second you do it. And I think there's that, that, uh, shift fundamentally of why do we need to see messages from a week ago? You know, when was the last time we went back and looked at our messages? I mean, you know, I think kids are really going to be growing up in a world where things are always real time and we're not quite there yet as a, as a, as a world. But I think in the next, you know, two, three years as the streaming technologies improve and our bandwidth improves, one, the internet companies are going to get richer, but, um, because we're going to be pushing so much data through these pipelines, but I think it's, it's definitely, um, something that enhances live events and brings people. And when people can communicate back to the live event, that's when I think it gets really interesting. And one of the things that I mentioned to you just before we started was uh, experiencing virtual reality in a social setting. So not virtual reality in a, in a live event, but putting uh, on virtual reality and being in a room with people walking around and you see their, you see people as avatars and you can walk up to a random stranger, <clears throat> excuse me, and say, hey, how you doing? And that person is in Japan. The first time I did that, I, I walked up to somebody and I was kind of talking to myself. I was like, oh, this is so cool. The guy's like, hey, I can hear you. I went, what? <laughs> he goes, I can hear you. I was like, what do you mean you can, what? <laughs> and so it was my first time being in there and I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. I'm literally talking to somebody in Japan. And the guy next to me was in California and the guy beside me was in Germany. And we just had a conversation. And the really weird thing about it is that, you know, in a live event, if you were to walk up to somebody and stand six inches from their face, you would feel uncomfortable. You get this sense of, you know, you're in my space. Hey, you know, just give me, give me that two foot rule. (laughs) And in VR, it feels the exact same way. If you walk up to their avatar and they're standing a foot from your face or six inches from you, it is really uncomfortable. And it's funny because they actually have a tutorial that they run on, uh, there's a, uh, a virtual reality online, uh, I guess, uh, social media, social center called uh, Altspace, and Altspace VR is kind of the uh, the congregation place where people can go and experience, you know, VR together. And they can play ping pong together. You can play, you know, Connect Four. There's games you can watch movies together, and you know, they live stream Coachella to to the VR. So you could stand around as an avatar and watch Coachella on a 2D screen in VR. Sure, yeah. Which it's like yeah. it's so many layers. It's it's like going into the the matrix, um, <laughs> but it's it's really really cool when you can you know you can experience a live event with people live in VR. That is really cool, and um, they're actually going to be doing the first live uh, VR rave in um, in LA in August at the VR LA meetup, where uh, Skull Candy is is. Uh, partnered with these guys called Wave VR and they've created a DJ platform where the DJ is performing and everybody else is wearing 
Gear VR headsets and everybody that's wearing a Gear VR headset feels like they're there. And there's instead of just having the DJ in front of you in the light show, the light shows all around you. And you can see all the other avatars, all the other people standing around you. And it's really cool. Um, I got I got the chance to DJ on it at the Microsoft Part- Worldwide Partners Conference last week, and it was really, really awesome. And, and presumably, <clears throat> if you've got a, a crowd of people at something like a rave who are all wearing the Gear VR headsets, and, and you, as you said, that they've got this light show that's all around them and everything, actually in the physical world, there is no light show. Presumably, these, can be, these people could be in, in a bland, empty room. They could be room. in their living room. You could be in their bedroom. They could be in their bathroom. It doesn't matter. It could be anywhere. You could be standing on the street. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that because you know you're <laughs> going to get hit. But, but yeah, I mean, the reality is we've we've come to the point almost. I mean, we're not quite there where we can live stream the stuff, you know, at full frame rates and full resolutions. But we can do it. It can be live streamed. Um, you know, first example of live streaming in 360 was actually Coachella uh, this yeah. year, back in I believe March, April. And they live streamed a full 360. Now, what a, you know, there was some glitches and there was some you know weird stuff, but the fact is they pulled it off, and that is really amazing. Now, the prices for live streaming to kind of put in perspective, live streaming, um, you know, let's say a one camera feed from a, an event, you know, you're, you're probably talking anywhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars. So maybe uh, maybe ten ten to fifteen thousand pound. And I think, you know, that that price will come down as bandwidth gets cheaper and, and as the technology gets cheaper. But live streaming VR, uh, the Coachella thing, I don't know how much they paid for it, but we we've been getting quotes from different live streaming vendors for you know seventy five, a hundred thousand uh, dollars per stage, and you know that's just not realistic to a festival or to anybody really. Exactly. So yeah. unless you're unless you're IBM and you want to live stream your your conference. Um, you know, it's not really reasonable. So we've been working on, you know, live streaming technologies as well to kind of drive that price down. And it's still, it's still up there, but it's getting better. And I think as the prices and bandwidth and the simplicity becomes easier, we'll have a lot better chance of kind of bringing this out to the market. So, so is, so is, so is Metaverse there to help consult with people who want to deploy VR? Is it, is it there to help actually deliver packages for an event organizer, for example, you know, if somebody came to you and said, well, what is it that you actually provide to clients? What do Metaverse do? So we do everything. And, and we actually have a slide in our slide deck. This is we do everything with the EVR, uh, everything. But um, it, it's it's kind of across the board. We realize that there's nobody doing, first of all, there's nobody in the industry focused on events and bringing VR to kind of the business world and, and combining these really great technologies that are most most of the VR technologies that are coming on board are all one and two and three person uh, development shops mm-hmm. where you know they've created really really cool niche products but they have no idea on how to sell those into corporate and you know some of them do some of them don't but the reality is most of the stuff we've seen is really really neat and cool it just has no application. And so what we've been doing is saying, okay, you have this this technology over here for live streaming this. You have this camera over here for doing that. If we put the two together, we've got a killer program. Sure. And so Meta, Metaverse is at the inflection point of cool technology and business. And so we're kind of bringing all this really cool technology, which cool is great, 
but is there a practical use for it? And so we're kind of in that in that realm of helping drive this whole VR world forward. So to give you an example of the, the different services that we offer, uh, we have something so basic as, you know, we bring VR to an event. So we'll bring uh, you know, some gear VRs. We did um, a series with the Royal Ontario Museum. It's a really cool series called Friday Night Live. And on Friday nights, they take our the Canada's largest museum and they open it up to the public and they have bands and DJs and, you know, all sorts of, you know, actors and stuff like that. And they open up the museum for a big party every Friday night. So we had some VR exhibits there and people loved it. They were lined up around the block. And um, we also, you know, we've done different corporate events where we bring VR to corporate events. Yeah. That's kind of at the, the very basic end, which is still really, really needed because delivering high quality VR experience is not as easy as, easy as people think. Um, people think, oh, you know, the Gear VR is cheap. It's, you know, it's $100 for the headset and $1,000 for the phone. We'll just buy a couple of those and we'll let people use them. The reality of it is for every headset, you need one person who's trained and knows how to use them. Um, we're working on some some new products for 2017 where it'll be kind of self-guided because right. what we realized is that sending out Gear VRs to an event with one person per headset is not economically viable. No, it's not. Um, it's not. You know, imagine having, you know, any anything where, you know, you can run one person through at a time and you have to have one staff member per that, it, it doesn't work economically. So we're working on a VR in a box solution that has four headsets. You can drop it off in an event, people pick it up and it's self-guided. You just look where you want to select, it selects the menu and you're ready to go. Um, so that's one of the things that, you know, we're working on a, a few IP things of our own because we realized that in doing all these different demos and thousands of demos so far as a company, we realized that there are definitely needs for things that are very, very specific for the events industry. Uh, one of them, we realized that, you know, photo booths have been around for, I don't know, maybe 20 years. People sure, have been doing yeah, photo booths, yeah, yeah, have, maybe yeah. more, you know, the photo booth in the mall where you go in. But uh, photo booths for events kind of took off and it was a big thing. Um, we said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had 360 photo booths where you get people in a 360 and you can have now eight people in your photograph. <laughs> And you can now pick your background. So now you can have eight people in space or eight people underwater or eight people on the moon or you can have it branded or whatever. You know, you can have the, the cityscape. Uh, let's say, for example, you know, London, you take a, a still image of London and now you can put people in that still image of London and they can take that home as a uh, as a, a printed um, uh, take home sure. or they can po post it to Facebook and Facebook automatically posts those as 360 uh, photographs, which that it's, it's an interesting thing. We, we spent two months building a, a 360 photo viewer because uh, we've been taking 360 photos for a year. Okay. And there's absolutely no way to share with people. There was literally, you know, I had clients saying, hey, can you send me those photos? I'm like, yes, but I, you can't see them as a 360. There's no way to view it. The only way to view it was on, on the app on my phone. So we built our own. 360 photo viewer for our website, which you can go to metaverse.co and it's M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E. -E. Click on the gallery. You can see the different 360 photos. The day we, the day after we posted uh, this and the day after we, we said, hey, we got our thing running. It's working. We launched it. Facebook launched their 360 photo <laughs> viewer. <laughs> I was like, no, we couldn't wait a month. <laughs> yeah. 
so that that's just the way technology is. I mean, you're dealing with Facebook, Google, you know, uh, these big monster companies. And so they've got plans to do all this stuff. But um, but Facebook 360 is really compelling. And they, they actually – there was a study done recently where they took a, the same video in a 2D format and then a 360 format. Yeah. And they posted both to Facebook and the 360 video got 1,200 times more engagement. It's it's. I think there's a certain novelty aspect at the moment as well, which people oh, are just sure. fascinated by. You know, the fact that you know, and, and perhaps not the kids. Perhaps, and without being condescending here, you know, maybe a, a, an older generation of person who, who, you know, I've seen people with their smartphones who are literally stood there turning full circle looking at a 360 photo on facebook um yep. you know it, it's not which is pretty cool i it, mean come it, on it, it is pretty it, cool. of, of course it is but it, it goes back to this point that you made where the, the, you know kids are going to grow up with this this is just going to become a fundamental part of their lives they go on a tablet they go on a, a phone and they're going to be able to watch a 360 concert they're going to be able to put a headset on but that there is still very much this novelty factor and this cool factor of, of this sort of technology that really does, it, it, without any shadow of a doubt, it boosts engagement, doesn't it? It gets people looking at these photos that they may have just glossed over if it was just a standard photo. Oh, absolutely. And one of the, the things that, you know, brands have to realize, and we've been, we've been like screaming this from the, the rooftops, brands have a limited amount of time before this novelty wears off. Mm-hmm. And so get as much cool content out as fast as possible so that you, your clients are the first ones to see this and go, wow, okay, you know, uh, O2, that was amazing, you know, like mind-blowing, you know, or I, I don't know what some of the other bigger companies in the UK are, but, you know, these companies need to get on it now. They can't wait. We had a meeting with a, a huge company yesterday and these people are in the telecom business and they haven't done anything in 360 or VR yet. And it, it just kind of made me realize, and these are the people that should be running this um, sure. and driving yeah. this forward. Yeah. So we're actually, immediately they were like, listen, we, we realize we got to do this. Let's go. So, I mean, it's it's getting to be an easier sell. But, I mean, for the last year, we've been screaming it and just yelling it from the rooftops as much as we could. And um, brands really need to jump on this because the wave is going to come quick. And once kind of the first wave of 360 goes out there, the novelty does wear off. Um, I think it's still very compelling to have 360 videos for a purpose. If there's, you know, Easter eggs or a fun, you know, reason to turn your phone around and look around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now we we just hit kind of the the TSN turning point. I don't know if you guys have that. You don't have TSN, but there's this thing called the TSN turning point, and you know, in a sporting game where you know the, the goal or the save or something happens sure, where yeah. everything just shifts. And I think we've we've hit that now with with Pokemon. And I don't think Pokemon's hit UK yet. Yeah, well, it, it, yes. Well, I, I, I would say it, it hit last week. Actually, it was it was officially launched over here. Um, people were getting it through all sorts of of, of back channels, and all, but officially it was launched here. And I've seen firsthand experiences uh, or, or people in the local parks wandering around with their phones in front of them. It's insane. It's, uh, it's I think crazy. It's nobody. It is, you know, I can't offer an explanation as to why this this suddenly happened. Uh, but I guess it ties in in a way to this novelty factor uh, and this sort yeah. of cool element. And really, I can do this with this thing in my hand. I can see this on the screen and do this. Um, it's huge. 
it, I've never seen. I mean, in the history of of technology, I don't think anybody's ever seen anything like this. It, you know, in in less than a week, um, Pokemon surpassed Twitter and Facebook. It surpassed Twitter in daily users and Facebook in daily engagement. Mm-hmm. That's insane. There's never been any anything in the world like it. You know, and companies are jumping on board. I think it. I want to say. T-Mobile in the States, what they did was they said, any data you use uh, for Pokemon will take off your bill. Crazy. So, well, yeah, I mean, and, and people are switching phone carriers so they can play Pokemon. It's, it's, well, I mean, well, what a brilliant marketing. It's brilliant, but I think the, the, the other angle to that, and I don't know if you've seen examples of, of it over in, over in Canada, but certainly even in the last few days, to say it was launched less than a week ago in the UK and made available... I have already seen on Facebook posts from businesses, and I'll give you an example. There's a theatre near where I live, and the theatre uh, has um, a really lovely cafe bar and bistro uh, outside it. There, there's shopping and there's offices within the theatre building. There's a there's a an urban garden space outside of it, and they posted on Facebook the other day that they were an official. They were a pokey stop. <laughs> and and that the, the, there were all these Pokemon available within that 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 were tagged within their theater complex, and they were they were putting it on Facebook as a direct way of marketing their venue. And they actually said, "Why not come and see what Pokemon you can catch outside our venue and call in for a coffee whilst you're here?" Amazing. Amazing. And so businesses and are already just... capitalizing on people using it as a means to attract Pokemon Go users to their venue. It's, it, it's amazing. Their business model, actually, I don't think anybody realizes this, but if you want to uh, drop a lure, uh, which which kind of attracts the Pokemon and gets people there, it's $1.83 a minute. <laughs> $1.83 a minute. Do the math on that. That's insane. Yeah. And that's for one lure. And companies are buying this for hours. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. So, you know, they, they really thought this one through. They... They're making money from the users who want to buy extra Pokeballs or extra, you know, extra eggs or whatever. Then they're making money on the back end from businesses luring people there. It's, it's, I don't, I've never seen a business model that is so insanely awesome. But I think, you know, to tie this back to virtual and augmented reality, Pokemon is the first augmented reality application that the world has seen and and i don't know you know if you guys have pokemon or the or pokemon game if you look in the top right hand corner there's an ar button which basically turns on the front facing camera of your of your phone and allows you to kind of see pokemon in the real world now what you're going to see with that it's very very early days for that and most of what you're seeing is not true ar they're just kind of using different surfaces to kind of put the the pokemon on it's not truly scanning the world ahead of you but what's going to come the next probably I don't know, six months to a year, is the phones will actually scan the environment. This will probably come out with the new Daydream phones in in 2017. But your phone will actually be able to scan the environment and give you real-time data on where to put the Pokemon. So your Pokemon could sit on your desk or on your car or on your head or in your friend's head or wherever. So that becomes really, really interesting. And that's what, you know, augmented reality is about is – using the world around you and augmenting it. And actually, last week, is a good segue, we, we got our, um, actually this, yeah, last week, we got our, uh, our Microsoft HoloLens. And the Microsoft uh-huh. HoloLens is just 
it's mind blowing. It's it's a full augmented reality headset where it's a pair of ridiculously oversized glasses. And you know, if you Google Microsoft Hololens, you'll see you look like a real space pilot with these things on. Yeah. But um, you put it on, and now you've got holograms in your real world, and they've actually gotten uh, finger gestures. So there's no more keyboard, there's no more mouse, there's no more input device other than your finger and your voice. Wow. And so you can grab a, a hologram, like say the human body, and you can put it, you know, you can grab a body and you can stand them up. Uh, there's a ballerina, you can put her, and she's a full-size ballerina standing in your living room. And you can stand there, and you can walk around full 360, and she'll stay there. If you're listening can, to the you know, podcast, my daughter's, if you listen to the podcast, it's, it's uh, Hololens H O L O L E N S. So H O L O L E N S Hololens. I'm looking at it now, and I, and I can I, I know exactly what you mean about these oversized glasses. And within 10 seconds of looking on on the, the Microsoft Hololens website, you can pretty much get what it's going to be able to do. Just watch one of their videos. So where this relates back to events, and and I think. You're going to see this. Really, it's going to start in boardrooms. Uh, mm -hmm. We're actually we're building out some innovation centers for some uh, management companies where we're going to be using this technology to show their clients the future. Um, but one of the one of the applications for this is holographic communication. So very much you know Star Wars, Yoda, you know, or, or you know Princess Leia uh, on the desktop. Exactly. And I tell you, if you, if you look up holographic uh, communication HoloLens, you'll see a video of them doing a real live demo of this. And it's really, really, really exciting. Um, this is the future of communications. And, you know, Microsoft is not going after, you know, the home user. They're not going after, you know, um, you know, get the home gaming. They're going after enterprise level solutions. And how do we use this technology for training? How do we use this technology for, you know, industrial uses and that sort of thing? You know, they've sent one of these things to space. Uh, it's been used by NASA. You know, I don't know how much they use it for that because, you know, it, it's probably early days for them to be you know, an actual practical device, but I know that's what they're working towards. Um, what interests me about something like HoloLens, looking at it, is that I, I've, I've spoken to a number of, of, of event organizers and people that work within the events industry, and I wouldn't say there's a hesitation, but certainly there's a, there is a, a pause when they're looking at virtual reality, and certainly when it comes to wearing a full headset, that by deploying a full headset, they're actually shutting people out from being at an event themselves in the in the physical sense uh if, yep. if you can get what i mean we, by that actually, uh, and with hololens no, they're not shutting them exactly. out that, that they're actually that they're still subject to the real world but with an enhancement on top of that real world as opposed to vr which can some which can sometimes feel like you're actually shutting yourself away absolutely and, and you know i actually had this discussion yesterday where I, I feel perfectly comfortable wearing a VR headset on an airplane. Uh, I watched Game of Thrones on my flight back and absolutely amazing feeling. I put on the headset and now I'm, I'm in a beautiful big theater with a, you know, a, a huge theater style screen, beautiful surround sound. I can watch my movies. You know, a four hour flight felt like nothing because I was just flying with this headset on. But take that same headset and now put it on your head on the subway. Good luck. Yeah, that's terrifying because you're going to leave that subway with no wallet, no keys, no bag, no nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. 
It, no, it's true. I mean, uh, absolutely. You, on yeah, an airplane, absolutely. you're safe and you're you're contained. Nobody's nobody's gonna steal from you. But you look at something like uh, you know a subway or a public space. It's really not something you can use in a public space, and that that is the limitation of of virtual reality. Now, having said that, the way to use virtual reality for events is right now for entertainment, just to show people what's possible. That's what we've been doing, showing them here, you can paint in VR, check it out. Here's, you know, here's Space Pirate Trainer where you can shoot, you know, some spaceships coming at you. There's a zombie game where, you know, incredibly scary zombies come after you and it's terrifying. Um, There's, you know, there's a bunch of different games and I think that's just a good way to get people kind of excited about the medium and really, you know, drive it forward and just get people to try it. And it's, we're still early days and I still, I, I think majority of people have never even tried VR and I think we've really got to just let them try it in a very safe uh, controlled environment like an event where you have maybe five or six or ten headsets where people can just kind of try them in a controlled environment you know one of the things we were doing a demo once and um, it was a bunch of guys and the one guy's like here I'm going to put this on but just make sure my friends don't come near me mm-hmm. and so we, we put it on and we were you know making sure his friends don't come near and he said oh go grab my phone to take a picture so we walked over to grab a phone and his friend smashed him in the nards with a pool cue <laughs> with the, when he had the VR headset on I mean that guy's probably never going to put a VR headset again no. like it's and it ruined his experience I mean can you imagine you got this thing you're totally immersed in you know sharks or whatever he was doing and somebody smashes you in the yeah. you know in the nether regions. It's it's things like that that really are going to ruin people's experience. So it's it's up to providers like Metaverse and you know other people that are going to bring this to events to really make sure that people have a very safe, controlled, exciting experience moving forward. Because you know that to me, when I saw that happen, I was really I got really upset with those guys because I mean that guy's experience was ruined and and he'll forever mentally equivalent you know that he will he'll, he'll, he'll associate it yeah, I, yeah i don't want that i really want people to have a really beautiful magical moment with it i, I can i can i can genuinely hear and i really hope that listeners to the podcast so, can hear the genuine I, I think, enthusiasm you know, in your voice vr becomes <laughs> i i love this stuff and i, I love uh, one of the my my best parts of my job is putting this on people's face for the first time and seeing that aha moment i i really I get, I just get a kick out of seeing people really, really love this, and I, uh, it's an exciting time to be part of this. And I think you know, with events, you've got two things: you've got on-site activations, and then you've got filming the event in 360, uh, and then driving that to to VR. So we filmed um, just in Toronto. We filmed uh, Pride, which is our you know our, our gay Pride festival in sure, Toronto, yeah, Pride yeah, Toronto. Yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be coming out next week. Um, we filmed the, the Queen's Plate, which is the Kentucky Derby of Canada. Uh, we filmed uh, flying over Niagara Falls in a helicopter. And that is so cool in VR because you're looking over and it's just there's nothingness underneath you. It's just amazing feeling. Um, so all these different things that we've been filming that we've put in VR that just make you feel like, wow, I, you know, I would never, you know, maybe people can't get to Niagara Falls or maybe, you know, maybe they, they can't get to Pride or maybe – and I, I think – you know, as event planners, there's ways to uh, capture your events using 360 video and really make a compelling after movie. So, so very similar to something like, uh, you know, where you get a, a videographer to kind of run around and interview people and do this sort of thing and make an after movie of your event, um, which I think the event tech, you know, um, show 
also has that you know that type of thing where there's an after movie and shows people how exciting it was but in vr it's actually really cool because now all your friends are kind of standing around you and if if it's done well you really have a really really cool exciting uh you know experience if it's done poorly you make people vomit so there is a learning curve and we've we've made some comment some content when we first started we made content that literally i, I get uh, i'm very sensitive to motion sickness so i'm kind of the test guinea pig in the office but if it if it if it doesn't make me sick it's good for everybody but uh i i've had my guys bring me some footage they're like here try this and, oh god take it off so, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a learning curve to, to not make people sick. If you, you know, one of the tips, if you are going to be filming uh, 360 is just keep your horizon stable. If you can keep your horizon stable, then all, most everything else is forgiven. <laughs> so, Alan, but, uh, yeah, we're going to, um, we're, we're running out of, uh, of time, unfortunately, on today's episode, um, sure. which is a real shame because uh, as I pointed out a few minutes ago, that the, the, you can hear the enthusiasm in your voice for it. And I think this, this is what we've needed with, with AR and VR and this whole sector of technology is that light bulb moment. People have been talking about it now for a few years. I've spoken to a number of different people who are involved in the sector, but as, as silly as it may sound for people listening to this, I think the recent boom of Pokemon Go has actually finally pushed everybody over the edge and realized what the hardware that we now all carry around is capable of doing. And for those who didn't understand augmented reality and virtual reality beforehand, perhaps now what it's given them is a better understanding of, of the sort of things that you can achieve physically with these devices, with the connections that we've now got, um, and with the companies that are out there who are able to now develop the technology to give us the content that's out there. Um, so it's been it's been fascinating talking to you, Alan. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, are we going to see you over in the UK uh, anytime soon? Are you going to be able to actually come into the studio? I would love it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll have to make a time, and uh, you know, if if there are anybody. Uh, any listeners who are interested in, in having virtual reality for their events, um, you know, they can reach out to me. My email is alan, A-L-A-N, at metaverse.co. And uh, I'm happy to to help find, uh, you know, help find a, a provider for you in the UK. I know we're working with some people that are kind of asking us to consult on how to bring this uh, to their events. So, you know, because we've got so much experience with this over the last year, uh, <laughs> it sounds crazy. We're, we're like so experienced and it's only been a year so um but, but you know the reality is it's not that easy to deliver these things in a in a really exciting and, and you know beautiful manner but you know with a few tips we can we can help people so if there's anybody interested in, in bringing vr to their events you know we'd be happy to to help kind of consult and, and bring that uh that to you I me mean, our, our goal is to show the world the future and the world includes the uk so happy to to help anybody and and really drive this thing forward for everybody fantastic and and for those of you wanting to to, to reach out to uh, to alan m-e-t-a-v-r-s-e dot co is the url and the domain that you need to use um you can also find them on twitter using the same uh the handle at metaverse m-e-t-a-v-r-s-e if you're uh, if you're on twitter and you'd like to reach out uh, to alan and his team that way for now we're going to wrap up today's episode of, of talking events and thank once again alan smithson ceo and co-founder from Metaverse who's joined us on the line today from Toronto. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, James. This has been really amazing and uh, I'm really looking forward to the future and uh, yeah, let's do this. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Uh, listeners, by all means, if you're not subscribed, get over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast if you listen to this via uh, eventindustrynews.co.uk. We'll also be putting up some links um, to some of the stuff that we've been talking about with Alan today. But for now, my name's James Dixon, and you've been listening to Talking Events. <laughs> <laughs>